This is made possible by Dustin Campbell, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, and Craig. Everybody to the politics, politics, politics program for August 24th, 2022, 24, 24. We're going to talk about 24 in this episode. We're going to talk about a couple people on the Republican side that might be making their ways, throwing a few seeds on the ground, seeing what grows between now and then. Maybe some guys in the let's not complain about Trump yet be a part from Trump lane. Two guys that were probably competing for the same voters, Mike Pence and Glenn Youngkin. But the majority of this episode is going to be spent with one of our most frequent guests, Evan Scrimshaw. He is a writer for The Lines covering all kinds of gambling but uh, primarily political gambling. We are going to talk about the gigantic rise in democratic optimism that has popped up over the past few weeks. This is buoyed by a couple things, but one of them is the dark Brandon. Indeed, Joe Biden climbing out of the basement. For as I am recording this, Rasmussen, the Rasmussen poll, the one poll that used to show that Trump was not as unpopular as other polls said he was. And Democrats could not deride it fast enough. Oh, it's a terrible poll. Rasmussen's awful. Outlier. Well, guess what? Even as many, uh, if not the majority, of polls for Joe Biden's approval rating have him still down double digits. Rasmussen is there for him. The poll released on the 23rd has him down only five. That is a near full recovery from the sojourn into the abyss over the last 12 months. Do we believe it? And more specifically, do we believe it now? Regardless, if you look at the state polls, Democratic candidates are doing very well. And so what looked like a big Republican, now appears, at least based on these polls, to be a little bit more of a stalemate. Do we buy it? Well, let's talk to the expert. But first. Welcome back to the show, Scrim. Thanks, man. Love coming on. The Democrats, they're back. They're back. Uh, they're going to win all of the swing states. Uh, they're going to have a, a, a bigger majority going into the second half of the dark Brandon administration. He is resurgent. Uh, uh, Everything has changed. How much do you buy the last few sentences that came out of my mouth? Well, okay. Like kind of, kind of. And so I know the last time I came on, it was because I had written the article about how stop believing bleep staples. Yes. And I still mostly believe that you should stop doing that. Yes. Um, the problem is, is that the state polls are so good for Democrats and the national polls have gotten a lot better, too. But like even adjusting for any historical bias, even using the 2020 polling mess, like Democrats are still winning 51 Senate seats right now. Like yeah. even if you even if you you know move the polls right by the amount they were wrong in 2020. So like. I, I believe that, like, in an election right now, Democrats would do really, really well, and the House is, like, would be competitive, and the Senate is 51 seats for Democrats. The problem 
is the election isn't today. <laughs> and that's a double edged sword for Democrats because in theory, gas prices can go down another, uh, you know, half of, I almost said 50, 50, you know, 50 cents. Yeah. But I hate, I hate doing gas by year by, by gallons, but, um, yeah, like gas can go down another 50 cents. You can get two more, two more good, you know, months of, 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 you know, deflationary pressure. And maybe, maybe we are in a situation where Dems have truly eaten the midterm curse, but also, you know, I'm a gambler and sometimes, sometimes I just want to take, I just want to take the guaranteed money halfway through a football game instead of let it ride on the fourth quarter. I'm glad you brought up the gambling element. Because I'm tempted just to buy all the Republicans in the Senate right now. <laughs> like this, this, this feels to me like a value proposition, the likes of which we have not seen in a while, because just as likely as it would be for gas to continue to go down. And we, when we see some of the cost of living inflationary stuff go down, I know, please don't send me emails. I know inflation is not going down, but it, it certainly had a a slowdown of its acceleration at the very least in the last report. Uh, but we very well could see a recession. We could see layoffs. We could see a lot of stuff that is plausible, if, if not, uh, uh, you know, maybe even likely to happen between now and uh, Election Day. And if that happens, then. Um, I I think we we would look back at this moment and say, yeah, this was this was the value, and this kind of stuff happens during these off year elections when the party in power tends to get beat up. Yeah, so I think if you were just betting right now, I certainly think like I think the I think God, I can't put much of this, but I think like if you're betting right now, I think probably Herschel Walker's might be one of the best bets on the board right now, just because I think a lot of Democratic enthusiasm about Georgia has sort of probably peaked. I don't think he wins, but I think like, yeah, Republican. I just I kind of think Oz is 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 dead at this point. So I think you'd be burning your money. And everyone has sort of I think correctly realized that Adam Waxell is the best Republican recruit. So he's not a great price. I mean, what you should have done was just bet all these Democrats. Two days after Roe, when I wrote a column for the lines telling you to, because <laughs> I called Democrats winning the Senate at that point. So that's really what you should have done, because then you don't have to worry about this. And you've got all the Democrats, mostly as underdogs. Well, let's let's ago, yeah, so. let's 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 see. I mean, we are now less than 100 days from the election. Labor Day is coming up. Traditionally, that is when people begin tuning in. So before we go state by state, let me ask you this. The other side of the Democratic optimism is, boy, howdy, do I'm I'm sure a lot of Democrats listening in my audience have this familiar feeling, this idea that, uh, uh, boy, all the polls are sunny. Things are looking really good. Uh, this is actually going to turn out better than we expected. And then Lucy moves the football, especially over the last few cycles, even the midterms where they did well and took the House back in 2018. A lot of those high profile races, including Beto and and Gillum and Stacey Abrams in Georgia, did not go their way. So if you were to assuage that kind of cynicism, what would you say? That Beto... And Stacey both beat their polls, but they didn't beat the manufactured hype cycle, Pots of America, um, hyping them as the next gods of the world. Um, And frankly, if you have faith in Florida at this point, you are a better human being than I am. Um, But I would be much more concerned about like Wisconsin, Ohio, Pennsylvania polls freaking you out than like Nevada, Arizona, Georgia polls, just because. The historical tendency is much bigger. Uh, Republicans outperform in their polls much more in the Rust Belt than in the Sun Belt. Hmm. It is a bit not Sun Belty. It's sort of a weird something. Um, so I wouldn't be too worried about the polls. Like usually, the polls miss in Democratic. Like Democrats usually beat their polls in Nevada, so I wouldn't be too worried about Cortez Master there and. Even in twenty, even in twenty twenty, this you know like historically bad polling miss. You had like an eight point polling miss in Wisconsin. You had a three point polling miss in Georgia. Or sorry, in Arizona, and like a one point polling miss in Georgia. So 
the Senate map, other than Pennsylvania, and Pennsylvania only had like three and a half point miss. So basically, unless you're buying these Ohio and Wisconsin polls, which you really shouldn't be, and frankly, Democrats don't need those two seats. The polls are the polls are so good for Democrats that they are, you know, survivable of even a twenty twenty style poll. Before we get into the Senate, and that's where we're going to spend the majority of our time, because we just mentioned her. What is your take on Stacey Abrams versus Brian Kemp in Georgia for governor? Um, I think 538 has released my, I think the 538 polling average has released my six. And that seems like a perfectly reasonable outcome. She's going to have her underrun Warnock by eight to 10 points. I think Warnock, you know, is currently favored by two, three. So yeah, six point loss. 47% 47% of the vote. Now 40, I guess there's libertarians. So like 46, 45 and a half. It's interesting. So, so let's, let's then use that as the entry point into the Senate, because I do find that Georgia race to be fascinating and it is almost certainly going to be the ones that I, I, I go out and, and see for myself because I need to see the Herschel Walker experience with my own eyes and, and Warnock. I, I'm actually very excited about both seeing both of their, their campaigns. But if I'm going to make the argument for Herschel Walker being a senator of the United States of America, part of what I would say is that he's he might have strong coattails from Kemp. Yes, but the the thing is, is that the voters who are going to vote for Kemp are all super high information voters. They're all uh, well-educated, generally wealthy voters who know all the reasons why Brian Kemp, perfectly acceptable, you know, been a competent governor, you know, has kept my state look tax or whatever, versus the Herschel Walker clown car of A, things that comes out of his mouth, B, the fact that he has secret kids, and, and C, the fact that, um, again, undiagnosed DTE. So I don't know that he's going to get the coattails because the high information pays a lot of attention to politics Georgia voters that Kemp is going to win a lot of the Joe Biden, the 2012 Mitt Romney, 2020 uh, Joe Biden voters, they they pay enough attention to know that Herschel's crazy, despite the fact they're voting for Brian Kemp. But are they paying attention enough to know that they want a Republican Senate and he's the way that it happens? Do these people want a Republican Senate, though? Do these people support uh, Georgia the, Brian Kemp voters? Yes, I, I would. No, I would say that Georgia Brian Kemp voters do want a Republican Senate, but they're social liberals. They're 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 rich social liberals in Georgia. Why they, in Georgia, they are Georgia rich social liberals, which are not the same as social liberals in other cities or in other states. No, I'm aware of that fact, but like these are these are people who have trended who have trended to the left because of because of the GOP's uh, continued trend to to social illiberalism, and who have supported you know gay gay rights and abortion and abortion issues. Like that's the thing that that they are uncomfortable with the Republican Party over. If this election was about inflation, taxes, cost of living. Three months ago, maybe you could sell me on on Herschel just ride the coattails. But one, the more Herschel talks, the crazier he sounds. And two, if you massively boost the salience of Roe, social liberals in Forsyth aren't going to be able to vote for the senator who would vote to confirm. Uh, I don't know why I said senator like that. It was very, it was very, it was, uh, it was very regal of you. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> They're not going to vote for a senator who's going to appoint A.B. Cody Barrett 2.0. Or to confirm. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I I, I tend to believe that that uh, uh, it's, it's more of a straight line between A and B. And if a Republican governor is doing well against somebody who, by the way, is is is. You know, public enemy number one, Stacey Abrams, uh, uh, she is a very animating force for Republicans in Georgia. And I think Kemp has used that very, very well to his advantage. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, that that would be my argument at the very least, if, I, if I'm going to say that Herschel Walker. And also, man, I know that this is going to be a little, uh, I mean, bordering on contrarian but I kind of also feel that the more the national media fixates on Herschel's 
and I'll say it euphemistically, idiosyncrasies in the way that he talks, that we are we are we are getting into a realm of maybe there is a there is a a a, a an identity for him as being picked on by the national media. And I, I think that, that that benefits him and and it animates the kind of voters he needs to animate. Counterpoint, Raphael Warnock's not stupid enough to run a campaign about secret kids and and you know, like the <laughs> the sort of like ephemera idiosyncratic, you know, idiosyncratic nature of 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 her too, right. Like he isn't gonna focus on the stuff the national well, media I don't think, but he on. doesn't need to. The more no, the but, more that Herschel Walker can run against the national media, not against Raphael Warnock, the better off he is. Yeah, but Warnock is also yeah, but one Warnock is gonna like Herschel doesn't have that much money and 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 Warnock has, you know, a billion dollars, not literally, but feels like a billion dollars. Yes. Um and the GOP just had to the Senate Leadership Fund just had to dump twenty eight million to Ohio. Which, so by the way, yeah, on on Friday we're gonna have a deep dive into that, but holy moly, God knows what the hell is happening there. Well, I mean, are we also I mean I, I'm looking forward to listening to the Friday episode, but um are you also gonna be talking about Rick Scott and and the, the Washington Post piece from Friday yeah. night. Yeah, yeah, thank no, God. That's yeah, yeah. No, no, that. we're gonna have we're gonna have our buddy from uh, from Business Insider. He's their money guy, but but uh, he is he's a regular oh. on the show, and and he's gonna help break us down. And then also, yeah, I mean, just yeah, uh, 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 that that is that is a scandal, a scandal and a half. Right, but the GOP don't have the money that they want to be having for various reasons. We're yes. to on Friday, and Herschel doesn't isn't much of a prolific fundraiser he is um his the 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 abuse allegations are a pretty big problem for big donors because they tend to be the people who are going to most concern themselves with that and if they're having to dump 28 million in senate leadership fund dollars into ohio that's money that can't go into georgia and also warnock and stacy whatever stacy's appeal or lack thereof in the Fluttering Edwards and even Colin Gwinnett, um, those two on the ticket together is, you know, thirty plus percent of the electorate being black. And if that's the number, then that's the number. And Warnock can keep his can keep you know the vast majority of suburban appeal. Then he wins. All right, let's take a look across the state at Arizona. Uh, this is Blake Masters versus Kelly. Kelly, according to the most recent poll that I am seeing here is a Fox News poll has him up eight. Uh, so you say that that, uh, you know, Rust Belt polls worry about the the Sun Belt polls, maybe not so much. And and Kelly right now, especially with the Dobbs decision behind him, looks a lot stronger than he might have uh, three months ago, four months ago. Yeah, I've never I've never had a strong feel on this race because. Arizona is, you know, it's still a red state, you know, compared to the nation. Um, the problem for the Arizona GOP is I didn't realize they still had a trigger law on the books. So you have, you pair a 62% um, pro-choice electorate per the 2020 exits with one of the harshest abortion bans in the country. So abortion salience, unlike in like New York or California or even Nevada, where abortion settled law and abortion rights are settled law. Um, Arizona is one of the states facing a, a facing a very real change in circumstance from the Dobbs decision and the repeal of Roe. Um, Blake Masters came out for a federal personhood amendment earlier this year. Yeah. And even if you take that aside, his idea of, um, you know, frank and innovative um, ideas is privatizing social security, which one, I don't know why you would, Argue for privatizing social security in Arizona. That's a that's a choice. But also, I, I, how is privatizing social security a, a new idea at this point? Hopefully, if we have time at the end of this, we're going to do a, a a real quick draft of terrible state parties, and uh, I want everybody to just <laughs> put a pin in the Arizona GOP. Uh, we will move yep. northward to Nevada. And let me ask you this, because I'm going to read you a couple polls from this outfit. Uh, where are you right now as we record this on August 23rd at 1130 Eastern time? What are your personal and emotional feelings toward the Trafalgar group? Um, deeply inconsistent. 
because sometimes their polls make sense and sometimes they don't. And the problem with Trafalgar is that you really have to like look and like their Pennsylvania stuff. Like they have like, you know, they have like some reasonable Democratic leads. They're high. The poll shows J.D. Vance up, I think five. Like, that stuff makes sense. Yeah. I don't, I don't think, I don't, I don't think Cortez Masto is currently losing. Well, I mean, there, there we go. All right. Always- so here, let me, yeah, let me, let me, let me say what it is right there. It is Laxalt up three in Nevada. They also have the uh, Republican Lombardo up over Sisolak uh, by two, but close races in, in, in both cases, but they believe that Laxalt has the advantage in Nevada uh, of those three. And we will talk about the other two in a second. You believe this one is the most suspect. Oh yeah. A thousand percent. Um, I actually did a, like a, a like Twitter. I, I posted a question on Twitter a couple nights ago. Like, if the Republicans win the Senate, what two seats are they going to get? And every response was Nevada and something else. Like, yeah, it's pretty clear at this point. It's the it's the hardest state for Democrats to retain. Um, Republicans are running their best candidate. That doesn't say that's not to say Adam Lockshell's a good candidate, but he's certainly better than the steaming um, dumpster fires of the other three main Senate races. Um, Cortez Masto is like a fine incumbent, but I I honestly would would rather have any of the other third Democratic candidates that are like their their sort of like relative talent. And Nevada is also like probably the state where incumbency might be worth the least because it's very transient population and you know people come in and out. So the electorate that voted for six years ago are not necessarily going to be the electorate that have in theory gained a lot from her, um, you know, good constituency work or whatever. Um, I I also wonder if Nevada Democrats are the same without Harry Reid. Like like his his machine was such a big part of that story and he's gone. Yeah, no, that's a, that, that, this will be a real test of that. Um, The counterpoint to all of this is it is the blue state of the four that's up Republican and Nevada has sort of been as sort of um, equivalent of, uh, Democratic Florida, which is that it's a state where you can get close, a state where you can even trick yourself into thinking you can win. But Republicans won one statewide since 2008 for federal office. Um, the twenty-four Senate race, like ability to get close is not the same as ability to win. Generally speaking, Nevada polls underestimate Democratic support. The there was a there was a Suffolk. Um, whatever the Reno paper was. Yeah, Reno, yeah, Reno Gazette, uh, a Suffolk poll that has Cortez Masto up seven. Right. So if it was just Trafalgar, I might be a little more worried. It's both of them. I think it's three and a half point rates on, on the 538 average right now. Seems reasonable. But I think it's certainly the most suspect race for Democrats just because, well, Laxalt isn't actively shooting himself in the foot every three minutes. Let's move out to Pennsylvania. Certainly one of the uh, uh, one of the most yep. colorful races, if not, I would say that this is the most colorful race of 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 the cycle, right? Oz versus Fetterman. Oh, a thousand percent. It's insane, and I love every part of it. It's pretty amazing. Uh, Oz reverting to the mean of what celebrity candidates normally do when they <laughs> run for office. Uh, I think that there was a lot of. You know, Trump, Trump tricked a bunch of people because Trump say what you will about him, but he's a very hard worker and he, and he campaigned harder than most politicians, which is very hard to do because politicians say what you will about them are very much used to going out and doing five, six events every day, especially down the stretch. Oz has not, nor has he done a particularly good job of defining Fetterman. Fetterman has done an excellent job at defining Oz, uh, although I don't think it's an unbeatable thing. And right now, Trafalgar Group has Fetterman up four. Now, this is not the same as some of the other polls that we have seen where Fetterman is up into double digits. Where do you put that race right now? I, this is probably a controversial opinion. I think Democrats have the best chance of the four center races we're talking about. I think Democrats have the best chance of Pennsylvania. Because the thing about running Dr. Oz that is so. Wait, 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 wait. Probably- By the way, let me, let me, let me also remind everybody we thought had was a better statewide candidate than McCormick when we talked about this race in the primary. Right. Which is. Might be one of my worst takes in a very long time, but hey, at least <laughs> hey, at least I was won the primary, so I got that one right. Um, 
No, because the problem with Oz is that you get all the downsides of a neophyte political candidate, which is they don't know what they're doing. They can't, they don't have like an innate sense of how to get on message, how to control the media. They're, they're, they're over, to, over, overconfident and trusting a gut that's pulling them in the wrong direction. Correct. And you can and see that Fetterman, that Fetterman's gut is sort of really like they've been able to get a lot out of their instincts because he's run for office before and that's what he's doing. But the problem is usually beneath the political candidates, you can fix that because no one knows who he is. And therefore he can, you can redefine him on your terms. Yeah. But everyone knows who Dr. Oz is and it doesn't seem like anybody likes Dr. Oz. So you get the downside of an established politician without the upside. So he's in one of the biggest holes. The Pennsylvania polling isn't quite as bad as the Ohio and Wisconsin polls. I literally built the, the like spreadsheet to check because I'm like, no, there's no way the Pennsylvania polls were like, there's no way. Eh, actually, they weren't that bad. Um, yeah. And I think the biggest thing is just like how like Oz can't seem to get back a message. And the smart thing Fetterman is doing is he he does all the like online, like Stephen Van Zandt's going to do a video for you. Yeah. Like Snooki cameo stuff, yeah. which yeah. raises him a ton of money from his digital operation. Uh, but the ads on TV are all like, like act like working class Pennsylvania stuff. Like it's actually like important issues, inflation, like NAFTA, manufacturing, whatever. So a lot of people are like, oh, Fetterman's just running this like online troll campaign. No, he's running a good campaign on TV. He's running a very good campaign on digital and his digital operations paying for his TV ads. And Oz has no money. So so you would say this is a wrap. You would say this is a wrap. I mean, this is as close to a wrap as any of the four. And I think if you're like counting Democratic Senate seats, this is seat 48. Yeah. I don't, I don't think Oz can come back. I really don't. I would be actively like, I don't think I'd be shocked, but I'd be pretty damn surprised if Oz came back at this point. And one, obviously he won't lose by 12, but. Yeah. You know, if, if, if I'm going to be an Oz truther, I would say, number one, there's going to be a lot of regression to the mean. Number two, we still, you know, Oz has not been able to define, you know, the, the, the most effective thing that he has done is point out that Fetterman has done one campaign event since he went to the hospital for a stroke and a heart attack. Uh, but even that, that hasn't really, you know, done any kind of movement uh, in terms of of the polls, nor does it necessarily excite the people that he needs to excite. If, you know, I mean, look, it's going to take a, a bit of core campaign competency, but if it does happen, then I don't know. I mean, Oz is still a television personality. And and I, I do think that there is there is a magnetism uh, uh, to him if he can find the message. Do I believe he can? Uh, all evidence up until this point seems that that he was he was pretty good in the primary. He was good at defining issues and, and attacking his opponent on it. And and he seems to have lost any of that momentum going into the general. So I, I would I would bet no. But then again, well, actually, no, I would actually I would bet us now just because, again, I would just bet all the Republicans because I, I just I feel like they are very, very undervalued right now. But still, I, mean, I, I don't I don't my, my yeah. gut says that Oz does not have it in him. The problem I mean, the problem is, is like you've got Republicans, you've got Republicans looking to Politico that they have a they have a path to win the Senate without without Pennsylvania. And yeah, that is that is I mean, for Democrats, that's 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 the quote you want to see. But uh, boy, if you're already talking about past without without a blank state in August, you clearly don't have any faith in your candidate. Then, you know, why, why would they? All right. Uh, last one here. This is uh, the Ohio Senate Vance versus Ryan. Uh, let's take a look at the, uh, the, the Trafalgar group poll has him has uh, Vance, JD Vance, uh, another neophyte, but this one is I think more competent and up five over Ryan, who I think is uh, somebody that when he looks in the mirror, he wishes he saw John Fetterman. Tim Ryan is running in the wrong gear. Right, like he always like he should have run for governor in 2018, um, or well, he probably was going to be a Rob Portman in 2016. But like, Ryan's running in too red of a year, in too red of a state to win, and 
the thing. And he also thing burned, is, didn't he burn like most of his money on TV ads that that finished running like two weeks ago. Yeah, his it doesn't sound like his cash situation is like the most great right now. It seemed like he spent early to try and propel more money, and it's sort of unclear whether he is getting the fundraising to sustain the pace. Um, I mean, the big thing about Tim Ryan is not like if you believe these Ohio polls, like you're you were wrong the whole time. Like it's been immediately obvious to me that Ohio that these Ohio polls were a trap the entire time. Um, like I wrote for the lines, God, it might honestly be three months ago now. Like it's very easy to find a poll in Ohio that says a race is competitive. It's it's actually quite easy to even believe it, but we shouldn't. Like as a as a twenty twenty Biden Ohio believer, like now this was never a competitive race. Republicans, like what Republicans, the undecideds in Ohio all looked like Republicans the entire time. They're starting to come home now. The GOP were always going to spend some money, and Tim Ryan has helped the Democrats win the majority if the if he makes the Senate Leadership Fund actually fulfill those twenty eight million dollars in TV commitments. He's taken twenty eight million dollars away from other more important races. Congrats. Yeah. You've done your job, but let's not pretend that doing your job means winning. It means losing by six, departing honorably, taking a TV gig, <laughs> and having diverted some money. That's that was always the best case for Tim Ryan, and it looks like he's hitting that. His best case is not winning. He's not going to. want to take a break right here we will be back with mr scrimshaw a little bit later in the program we're gonna do our draft of the five worst state parties this was a fun conversation one that we've had both on and off the air for a while but i wanted to wrap it in a fun skin so we go back and forth snake draft style and put together the worst state parties in america Go ahead and think of what your number one is right now. And while you do it, I want to remind you that the place that you need to go if you want to support this program on a week-to-week basis is TakePoliticsSeriously.com. At TakePoliticsSeriously.com, you're not only going to get the self-satisfaction that you are funding the only, to my knowledge, traveling national politics reporter that ain't drawn a paycheck from another media entity. No, 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 no. I ain't got editors. I ain't got boss. I guess I do have an editor that helps with our, with our Friday episode, but not in the editor, the editor that you'd normally think as in somebody who's telling me what to do. No, he's a very nice guy. His name's Brett and he's, he's a real sweetheart and he helps me edit the show like physically, but not an editor. That's going to give me an assignment. I got no bosses. I got no corporate overlord. And by the way, if you're paying attention to what's happening with the new Warner Brothers discovery, the fact that they are removing things from their platform, removing content for the sole purpose of not having to pay residuals to the original creators. Now, look, news is different than entertainment. But that is happening because the corporate merger that happened in this unstable media environment meant that they had to reduce their debt by any means possible. And there's no reason why news is immune to it. Hell, watch the bloodbath that's about to happen at CNN because of this new management. Now, when CNN is concerned, it might be a good thing. But still, I say all that to say this. If you guys are my bosses, that means that all of you would have to be able to get together and demand that I shut everything down. And even if all of you were able to get together and we're able, for one reason or another, to decide unanimously that that should happen, I still have the final say. And anybody who might have a shred of a doubt would still be able to understand that as long as air is popping through my lungs, I am going to continue to make this content for you guys. 
And all I hope to do is inspire the kind of support that you have continued to show for this program. So head on over there. TakePoliticsSeriously.com. I'm going to give you something for your money. Two bonus episodes each and every week. One on Sunday, one on Thursday. And considering the week that we just had where the president, former president, got raided by the FBI... That Thursday episode, pretty valuable. The Sunday episode that we had was one of our favorites. It involved me yelling about Liz Cheney. Got some great feedback on it. If you haven't already, head over there right now. TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Thank you very much. $3 level gets you two bonus podcasts each and every week. Talk 24 to uh, men heading westward to see if they can make a future for themselves. Let's start out here. Glenn Youngkin, the governor of Virginia, heading out to Nevada so he can stump for gubernatorial candidate Joe Lombardo on September 15th, according to Politico. That is the biggest state that will play a deciding factor early on in the nominating process for the Republicans. Youngkin is also going to New Mexico, Oregon, and Kansas. None of them are really a big 2024 uh, indicator states, but still. Something to pay attention to. A reminder that even though Youngkin was elected in 2019 and as he was running, if he is to run for president, he would still have a year on his term in Virginia. But a reminder that that's not that big of a deal in Virginia because no governor can run in consecutive terms. And so him bouncing a little bit early is not the worst thing in the world. The bigger tell here is from another perspective candidate, and that is Mike Pence. Who is Mike Pence? He is from Indiana, former governor, Midwesterner, evangelical background. Well, if you have that on your D&D class sheet, then there is only one place that you need to focus any and all of your attention on. And that is the first caucus in the nation, which we assume will still be the same for Republicans, if not for Democrats. And that is Iowa. Iowa is chock full with evangelicals. Mike Pence needs Iowa. If he is to chip away at Trump, he needs, needs, needs Iowa. That man needs to be in every pew, in every church in that state. And he got a bit of a head start this week, making his way through Iowa to stump for the reelection of Chuck Grassley. Now, this is... You know, he's got some camouflage here. Mike Pence has been out there stumping for various different Republican candidates over the past few months. We saw him down in Georgia. And Chuck Grassley is, in every sense of the word, an elder statesman of the Republican Party. So it shouldn't be that odd that Pence is going down there. But still... When you see a man who's been so tightly linked to the 2024 race roaming around the Iowa State Fair, which one year from today will likely be chock full of various candidates, you can't help but look twice. Of note here as well are the candidates that both Pence and Youngkin are supporting. Saw an interesting thing on Twitter. Uh, just before I started recording. And it was a push from 
somebody on the Republican side saying, hey, here's a reason why a lot of Republicans are more enthralled with DeSantis than Trump. While Trump will go out and stump for candidates that he personally likes or get involved in races where he doesn't like the other candidate, DeSantis, like Youngkin, like Pence, has been out there supporting a lot of candidates, some that have very little connection to DeSantis, but he knows his star power can help them. That is the look of somebody who wants to rebuild the party itself and not just his own coffers. You know, when when Donald Trump sends out all those emails, a, a, a mint alert when the donations uh, come in, don't pop up on Rona McDaniel's phone at the Republican National Committee. No, no, no. It goes to Trump and he spends it exactly how he wants. Sanders feels like a little bit more of a party guy. And I would say Yunkin and Pence do too. But that's just one more step on the road to 24. All right, back to our buddy Scrim. We're going to draft the worst state parties in America. Let's go. Because this is a thing that we've we've wound up talking about either on or off the air a few times. And uh, uh, I, I'm, I, I, I feel like it, it is an undercovered topic. If we are going to look at the bedrock elements of elections and it's not the stuff that happens on Twitter and it's not the stuff that that winds up getting obsessed over in the horse race narrative. The bedrock elements of elections are voter registration, voter lean. And the competency of the state parties, in my opinion. And the state parties are so rarely mentioned, despite the fact that they the, the, the failings of many of them become so obvious that I feel like we need to put, put a little time on it. We're going to do a draft. We're going to go back and forth between me and Scrimshaw, and, and we're going to put together a, a team of terrible state parties. So you are my guest. Please take the first pick in the draft. God, there are so many good options here. I mean, don't don't overthink it. You know, it's the it's the Peyton Manning, it's the Andrew Luck, it's the <laughs> I can't think of any. Well, Trevor Lawrence is actually good, so maybe that's not the right call. But uh, it's the Florida Democratic Party. These people are incompetent. They have no idea what they're doing. They have managed to let the GOP just register them for the last seven years. They have completely. I think. I think. I think the last. The last uh, uh, thing, or, or DeSantis was doing uh, uh, campaign stops over the weekend, and and his point was that when he came into office, Republicans were down around two hundred and fifty thousand uh, in in the registration battle. So there are two hundred and fifty thousand more Democrats than Republicans, and now that has flipped, where Republicans have the edge by three hundred or so. So like a five hundred thousand voter registration swing just in the four in the three and change years that DeSantis has been in office. Right. And you had this, you know, you had this big opportunity for Democrats with the Cuban community in 2016 when Trump did horribly in Miami Dade, right? You had this great opportunity, which Bill Nelson completely wasted and threw away a Senate seat that Democrats really could use right now. Uh because if Bill Nelson would have won, the Democrats just need 50, just need one game in the cycle to get a mansion and cinema proof. Um, majority, but mm-hmm. now, now we need two because Bill Nelson's uh, good to bed. Um, they keep they have not won a governorship. The last time they they won an election for the governorship, I have, wasn't born yet. I I was born during the last Democratic Congress, uh, the last Democratic governorship gubernatorial term. Yeah, and I'm 25. These people can't win elections. Their best idea to win an election is Charlie Crist. Redux again. They are wasting Val Demings on a Senate race. They're not going to win for reasons I don't know. <laughs> so she's now just going to. So, so she's just going to leave Congress to do what I'm not really sure. They have no long term plan, and they seem to think that like they seem to think they're like one quick fix away from solving all of the problems. 
when they're actually like a, a $25 million investment in, in new voter registration and a suburban message away from fixing it. And there's no one who wants to do the work. And they're all just like gunning for quick fixes and quick fixes and quick fixes. Really, really terrifying. Now, one of one of our chief disagreements is that you you believe that the Democrats should just turn away from Florida and, and call it a lost cause and start putting money in other states. Uh, I, I tend to believe that turning away from Florida is like an alcoholic losing their job and saying, well, good job. I'll have more time to drink. You you should be healthy in Florida. There's no reason why you can't be except for incompetence. And while I agree that this was an excellent number one pick and you've taken mine off the board. Uh, uh, there still is, this needs reconstruction. This needs emergency powers. Like competent people just need to move to Orlando and run this party for the next five years and, and establish some levels of good habits because what you're seeing right now, I mean, we're, we're recording this as, uh, the, the primary is happening in Florida right now on the democratic side, but Nikki Fried theoretically, at least by all the trappings that you're presenting her as should be your bright young star off the bench. And she's going to lose by double digits to a retread who came from the Republican party and has already been rejected by, by voters, uh, once for governor and Charlie Chris, like they are a total disaster. They have no connection uh, or a waning connection with uh, one of their powerful elements who's supposed to uh, totally unlock the map nationally for Democrats. And that's Puerto Ricans in uh, Orange County and the Orlando area, the I-4 corridor and and the element of younger Cubans in Miami. But there, there's a real chance that we're going to see a red Miami Dade. This this year with with Marco Rubio on the ballot and DeSantis as popular as he is, that's that's a death. That's an everybody pack your crap and go home. Right. And the other thing is, is that if I want to spend twenty five million dollars reconstructing a state party that isn't really up to up to up to it, um, I'd much rather invest in the Texas Democrats in Florida. I'd rather I'd much rather take the good trends in Texas than the bad trends in Florida if I'm going to dump the amount of money that it would take to save the Florida Democratic Party. That's my argument. Well, yeah, I guess we would have to have an argument about how good or bad those trends are. It's my pick. Yep. I'm going to go with the California Republicans. Oh, God, you've left me two really good options. I don't know what to do. Go on. Explain it. You're obviously correct. but They are so incompetent. Like the, the fact that they have not had any kind of even messaging success against somebody that is as arrogant and as lazy as Gavin Newsom is uh, uh, that, that it is, it is the only thing that you see are, and there's a lot of conservative activists that from California that are popular on Twitter. None of them can uh, mobilize behind any kind of candidate behind any kind of vote initiative, except for that super weird recall that happened a few years ago uh, when also their demographics are extraordinarily clear. They need they needed to coalesce behind one barrel chested Mexican Republican dad yesterday <laughs> so so they could run any kind of, of positive momentum. They're not going to win, but they can be competitive. And they have been the absolute opposite for as long as I've paid attention to that state's politics. The fact that Orange County is trending so left so fast is a complete abdication of responsibility from the california gop because you get to play politics on easy mode you don't have yeah. to give a, you don't have to care about winning statewide you don't have to focus on what can appeal to 50 percent plus one you get to play on the terms that you get to set for yourself and i don't know not lose orange county seems like <laughs> a pretty like simple way to frame like realistic goals for yourself and they not only can't do that all of those states are trying to like well it's it's so insane. It's so funny to me how bad they are because, like, there are so many things they could do that would limit the damage, right? No one is here saying of oh, the California GOP are like a competent state party away from winning, but they're a competent state party away from you know not being reduced to you know nine house seats this year and potentially yeah. seven by mid-decade. Yeah. And, and the people that they put in are, I mean, look, McCarthy's a money machine, but uh, uh, other than that, there's been a lot of just bad, bad candidates like that are not not message uh, discipline that are are just just lost. All right. You got you got number three. Yeah. So you've left me. You So I was expecting you to go a different way. 
And so I was expecting to to not have this on the board, but uh, Arizona GOP. Oh God! You because they have. <laughs> this is my favorite stat. So the Democrats since 2018, Democrats have won either a Senate seat, a majority of the House delegation, and the and or the presidency five times in Arizona since 2012 or since since 2018. I think Mark Kelly is likely to make that a sixth time. That is, by the way, more times than Democrats have won any of those things in Florida since 2000. Just mm-hmm. putting it out there. Um, Arizona has thrown away a state with like that they absolutely should not because what you should be doing is running kind of the same as what the what the California GOP needs to do, which is just run suburban just run suburbanized America with socially liberal views. You will win. You'll win by 10 because that's what the state is. It's a socially liberal state full of old people who don't like taxes. Why do you yeah. think people move there from California and from Canada? Because they like warm weather, low taxes, like and mostly libertarian views on social issues. And yet they're running uh, a pro-federal personhood crazy person for Senate. They were like, yes, Mark, Martha McSally 2.0. That's really what we need. Two L's and McSally, as you always yep. say. Yep. Um, like that was their best choice after she already lost once. Bart Kelly won by the same amount in 2020 that McSally won by in 2018. So the state's, you know, rocketing left. Kelly Ward is their state party chair. We censured the McCains. Yeah. Yeah. What? What is this? It's petty high school slam book nonsense. And, and, and beyond the ideological drift toward the more MAGA crowd, they're not exciting the people that they need to excite to win. (laughs) Like, like they are, they are running a party that believes that there are far more, uh, uh, there, there's a far larger community of rural class, non or rural, non college educated whites than there are in, in Arizona. Like that is not who turns out in the Republican party. That is not the kind of stuff that appeals to them. And, you know, we'll see what, what happens in, in this race, but I'll tell you what, if, if they do win either in the governor or the, the Senate race, they sure took the long way there uh, uh, is, is all I'll say. Yeah. And the thing is like, yeah, they might, you know, I, I, I personally think Carrie Lake narrowly wins for governor, but like, that that will be that will be a race that should have been much easier for them. That yes. they that they have almost thrown away at this point. And whether they get it back, that's not a good sign for your confidence that we're even talking about a governor's race. Because in the same way that you and I basically agree that Stacey Abrams has no chance, like that should have been the Arizona governorship. Like it should have just been a okay, yeah, Republicans will win that. We'll see about the Senate race. And they've put that as a positive and Mark Kelly is the favorite. So complete, complete application. Who do you got next? I'm interested. All right. I'm going to bring it home. This will be the last pick. And I'm going to say it because I'm living it. And it's the Texas Democrats. I, I think that they are so scattershot and much. I think it's a lot. It's similar to the uh, Arizona GOP. You have a burgeoning base of uh, uh, persuadable voters that are trending more and more blue in major metropolitan areas. Uh, And, you know, Beto to me is a, is such a schizophrenic candidate. He can't pick what issue the the issue that he cares about is, is the issue that is, is uh, popped up. He's the the bedrock stuff that he has, I think is smart, uh, you know, power grid, He's running on property tax stuff, but nobody buys it. It just does not. There's no cohesive theme to the idea of what a Texas Democrat is. And I, I think that especially when you look at some of the, the the characters that have grown up on the right here, despite the fact that it is a Republican leaning state, there are there's so much space to define exactly what you want to do. Uh, but they have no discipline and, and I just have no faith in it when they want to continue to put up Beto as the standard bearer. See, I'm going to slightly push back on this because I don't think they put up Beto as the standard bearer because I think they, they, because they think he's good. I think it's because all the competent people looked at this race and said, we're not winning it and have decided to not burden their records with a loss they don't need. So who would you, like, who would you, who would you see as otherwise if, if, if Abbott were, were more beatable? Uh, who who would be the person? 
Colin Allred. Colin Allred will win statewide in Texas this decade. That's All right. I will put a sizable amount of money on this. If if some sportsbook offered it to me, I would. Thousand <laughs> percent. So either 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 what the the the, the cruise seat when it comes back up or or whatever happens with governor. I I think Allred probably runs a twenty six for either governor or the or the court and Senate seat. No, because the problem the thing about the thing about Texas is what you actually need is you need a te- you need someone from Dallas, like you need someone from the DFW. You, and what you need is a is a campaign entirely centered around Republican incompetence and just like avoiding all of the sort of like nationalization stuff. Yes. But more importantly, it needs to be just a race about like one party control. It needs to be a race about um, you need you need to run someone who used to be a Republican, probably, or, or at least is friendly to people who used to be Republicans because in a state that voted for Mitt Romney, we forget Mitt Romney won Texas by like 19. Yeah. It Biden won it by Trump won it by five and a half last time. Yeah. Like this is, this is a state where you're, where the democratic coalition is a metric bleep ton of wealthy suburban whites who do not like, who do not like the sort of, you know, Certain, you know, like the tone of Republican politics, the, the nastiness, the the incivility, and frankly, you need someone who can appeal to ex Republicans better than better work. It, it, it has good yes. Thing. It, I mean, I mean, and, number number one, I wouldn't run anybody statewide in Texas that was on camera saying oh, we're going to take your AR-15s. Uh, that would be we, where I start. That'd be where I start. About this in the past, I know. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, that being said. I do think that there is a huge opportunity. These people are here, but I mean, look, I'm in Austin. This is a, about as safe and as blue as, as a place you should be, you know, uh, uh, trotting out your, your biggest, uh, uh, most enthusiastic kind of uh, rallies and crowds in your, in your home center of power. Uh, uh, and, and there, it just is not there, but I, I agree with you. Look, if, if somebody, was uh, uh you know running on the idea of competence uh, a a pushback on graft a pushback on greed uh, a common sense abortion law if you're if you're running for governor and and otherwise being a a check on a further loss on on uh, abortion rights if you're going to the senate i i feel like there is such a room for a moderate democrat uh we'll see if one appears but but right now I don't have faith in in the party to put one up. No, it's it's certainly fair. Um, yeah, I was debating. I I thought you were gonna like if I had the if I had the two four picks, I was yeah. debating between the Texas Dems and the North Carolina Dems uh, for my second pick. So. All right. Well, there we, we go. Got, real we got real, the real quick, real, yeah, yeah. Give us give us your your outside looking in on on uh, the North Carolina Dems. Um. The key to winning the state, if you ever want to flip it, is getting black turnout back up. And Democrats have just been like, nope, let's not do that. And let's just let's just pray to God that like white people will attract <laughs> will attract an audience. And then now they finally are running Sherry Beasley. So we'll see if they get their bleep together. But um no, you need you need to boost black turnout in the state and they just don't seem to care. So they keep losing their elections. When they start to care about that, they'll win. All right. Well, uh, as always, a pleasure, Mr. Scrimshaw. Where can people find your work? Weekly betting, weekly political betting column over at lines.com. Uh, I'll also be doing some some scattered NFL stuff over there if you're a football fan. Um, and my Substack, Scrimshaw scripted.substack.com. A lot more U.S. content these days because the midterms are happening. So, um, yeah, uh, those are the those are the two spots. If someone wants to hire me to write more, uh, I am. I, <laughs> You, you can reach out to me, but yeah, uh, you can, you can, you can do so. Uh, uh, give us some NFL nuggets real quick. Is there, is there a, a future bet you find tasty? Uh, under on the Cowboys. Under on the under, Cowboys. Mike, I cannot believe that. I Mike McCarthy. What on earth are you doing? I am a Packers fan. I had to live through this. <laughs> I had to live through him for years. He lied in the press conference after he about why he got hired because he lied to Jerry Jones about how he like studied everything and he knew what he was doing. The Cowboys always find a way to suck Eagles to win the NFCs under on the Cowboys win total Cowboys not to make the playoffs. It's going to be a cluster expletive in, uh, in Dallas. Who do you like in the AFC North? 
That's going to be a tough division. Ravens, Ravens, just because they had such bad luck last year that you would expect a version of the main moves. They probably like they're probably due to win like nine, 10, 10 and a half games. And if they run hot, it's 11 and they probably have one of the best coach. They have one of the best, if not the best coach in the league. So Ravens. As a Steeler fan, I'm looking forward to this season because it's very low stress for me. You know, I, I, I just, uh, you know, I hope Mitch plays well. If he doesn't, not a big deal. Can he come in? Uh, hopefully he, he, he plays, he plays well. If he doesn't, eh, it's fine. Not the end of the world. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for upside. I, I have, I have zero expectations going into, into, into the season. If they win nine games, I'll be thrilled. Yeah, I think you, I sneaky optimistic on the Steelers just because I, I can't imagine your quarterback play will be as bad as it was last year. And and I do think, I do think. I mean, having watched that team for a while, I do think that a lot of those games, and those games were close. You know, they they made the playoffs barely, but. Uh, you know, a lot of that 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 offense was really, really, really uh, hurt by how long Ben held on to the football, because as right, soon as exactly. he lost his mobility, his instinct to extend the play was nothing but a liability. Right. And Tomlin annoys me like in his like press conferences and whatever. But like you can't you can't deny he's, he's not also a very good coach who gets the most out of his talent. So and things of that nature. Uh, thank you very much, man. Uh, talk to you soon. Well, doing it. Thanks. And that about wraps it up for us today. Politics, Politics, Politics is written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young, for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. If you would like to follow our friend Scrimshaw, you can do so. px3guest.com, letter P, letter X, number three, guest.com. There are take you disagreed with, something you got to say. Well, please, come on in. Mikasa Sukasa. Just email the young American at gmail.com. You want to hit up the show on Twitter at px3tweets. You want to see me live on the internet? Well, I stream a few days a week, px3live.com. And by the way, shh, 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 shh. these fingers of mine, I got to tell you, for a few months, they, they didn't work so well. But I don't know what happened. Sometime after my European uh, sojourn, oh boy, these digits are dancing again. I'm writing, baby. Back on the Substack, you can find that at px3newsletter.com. You want to share this podcast? Share it with your friend, your family, your clergy member? px3podcast.com is where you do that. Now, as I mentioned... This is entirely independently financed. You did not hear any kind of ad on this program. So if you'd like to keep it that way, or there's some point that you really, really agree with, or maybe one that you really disagree with, well, you can send me a one-time donation, paypal.me slash payjury, P-A-Y-J-U-R-Y, my Venmo, is Justin-Young-20. Cash app is PX3Cash. And you can send anything you would like in the mail, including checks, fiat currency, P.O. Box 153184, Austin, Texas 78715. Of course, you can always get your bonus content at TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Dot com. $3 tier gets you two bonus podcasts per week covering all the news that we miss on our free podcasting schedule. And the $10 tier gets you that plus your name right at the end of the show like these fine folks in the Titanic. $10 tier. MC Radio, Unsafe DB Levels, Katie, Amanda, Yeo, Pinball Shop, DP4, Bongo, Neemeister, Catherine, Vigard, Todd, persons familiar with the matter, and vote Gloria Young for King of the New World Order. Edison, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B.A., Dr. G., Neil, Charles, Dar, uh, Darren, 100 Mile Runner, Idris Arslandian, Blue Front and the Lenina, D.L., Stephen, Chad, Nemanic Terran, Diana, turn two, Miranda Janelle, Adam, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul, is awesome. 
Brad, Richard, D. Laser, Just Another Pilot, Middle Aged Mike Who Loves Frank Got Abducted, Utah Jimmy Montana, The Gen, A L D L D L D. Really? Chopper, Andrew, and Joshua. You want to join their ranks? You want to get your name read? Especially as we're coming up on midterms? Especially as we're coming up on 24? One place to go. TakePoliticsSeriously.com As we mentioned in the Scrimshaw interview, boy, we are going to go all in to this is the Republican uh, uh, Senatorial Election Committee broke. And there's also some others. A New York Times story today as I'm recording this about how much dark money the Democrats outraise the Republicans by Democrats being the new party of dark money. All of that. If we say the M word, you know, who's got to be on this show. The money man, Dave Leventhal of business insider. I guess it's just insider insider, DC insider politics. Anyway, it's Dave wherever he works. You know, we love him. Till then, this is your old pal, Justin Robert Young, saying uh, some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more discuss politics. But this, this is the only show that dares discuss all three. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this broker. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio.